In this modern age, Perfect. too many people have lost sight ah! of the true meaning of Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. So now, in the spirit of the original, traditional American Christmas, MGM presents the movie that sends up Santa Claus. Shut up, Ralphie! A Christmas story. Rated PG. Starts Friday at select area theaters. Merry Christmas, you old millennials. Welcome to back to our podcast, Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my co-host, Tyler Wilson. And I acknowledge you may not be an old millennial, but you likely are if you're listening to this podcast. And it's Christmas time. Oh, right, yeah. I mean, that's true. I guess you could be older or younger and listening to it. Yeah, you could be a boomer. You're just trying to Hi, learn. Mom. Maybe you're just trying to learn about the culture. Yeah, the like culture of old millennials. Old, what is this old millennial culture? Don't understand culture. the culture. Yeah, see. Yeah, that's us. We're old millennials. We'll, we'll guide you this through it. It's the culture it of old millennials. Via the, the, the vehicle of movies. Specifically, yeah. This is the culture of old millennials remembering movies. That's right. That's what we're doing. And today, it's Christmas. Yeah. Time. It is. <laughs> We're recording this just a couple days before Christmas. We might even get it posted before Christmas. We'll, we'll see. see. So Merry Christmas. It's a very exciting time. It's been an insane year here in 2020 whenever you're listening to this. And uh, the holidays are important. They're a good way to get us through usually a crappy time of the season, depending on where you live. And uh, we're going to talk about a Christmas story today. But before we do that... We're going to talk about what we've been watching. So if you're listening to this during Christmas time, you can fast forward to just the Christmas story or hear the riveting details of what we've been watching recently. Some of the things are Christmas things. Yeah. I mean, we watched uh, Godmothered. Yeah. That was like Disney Plus's new... It's a Christmas movie. It takes place at Christmas. It most certainly does. There's snow in the movie. Uh, it has uh, Ella Fisher plays a mom. She was wrote a letter to for our fairy godmother when she was a child. Well, that letter got lost or it wasn't successful. And now as an adult, she's gotten uh, her wish, her old wish granted. It's Jillian Bell. I was, I was trying to space her name. It's Jillian Bell, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And she's the godmother. Godmotherdom has become... Uh, Almost extinct. Yeah, but she's trying to prove that it still works. And it's a, basically a vehicle for her and... Um, yeah, it's not, like, amazing, but it's a solid, solid Christmas movie. Yeah, she's so funny. She's really funny. Um, she's been kind of slowly breaking out little by little here. This is kind of a, a big lead role for her, so I like that. Yeah, um, I support this movie because yeah. of her. Kids I mean, enjoyed Gila it. Fisher's like. fine. Yeah, she's okay. Yeah. The kids enjoyed it. Yeah. That's all I could say. But then, of course, that led to... Uh, right when that finishes, uh, it says, hey, we know you watched this. Do you want to watch Noel? And that gets our nine-year-old daughter going like crazy because yeah. that she loves that movie that came out last year on Disney+. Plus. That's the Anna Kendrick Christmas movie where she's Santa Claus's – or the new Santa Claus's sister. Yeah. I would say if you haven't watched Noel yet, give it a chance. It will likely be a Christmas favorite in your house because it's good. It's solid. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. I liked it even – more this time than I did the last time. Yeah. It's charming. It, it stars, what's your name? Anna Kendrick. And Bill Hader's in it as the yeah. new Santa. And he's super funny. Yeah. And Anna Kendrick's good in this role as like quirky and out of place, but she fits so well and she's believable in her character. And she's just like lovable. I could just watch her on screen do almost anything. She is delightful in everything. 
And she's delightful in this. Yeah. Those are Christmas movies we watched recently. We rewatched some stuff. I mean, oh, yeah. the kids like. I mean, yeah, we've yeah, done yeah. podcasts on Home Alone and Home Alone Two. Go check those out. Yes, but we watched them again because our kids like them. Yeah, and I have something to say about that because when we get into Christmas Story, I think it's an interesting comparison to see what our kids uh, latch onto in these movies. And uh, there's a very key difference between, say, Home Alone and A Christmas Story. Yes. So we'll talk about that. Yeah, we rewatched Elf, and the kids liked it again. Yeah, they like Elf. It's fun to watch them because, you know, we have a range of from three to five, seven, nine. So, like, the five-year-old, she was four last Christmas when she watched that. That's mm-hmm. pretty young. And so she'll remember just, like, random parts of it. And then you'll just hear her shout out, like, I remember this. Yeah, It'll just be the most random thing. And our nine-year-old still doesn't like the beginning with the baby because she doesn't like this baby crawling alone in an orphanage. It just no. disturbs her. It to breaks no her end. heart to the point where she almost knocked her plate of food off the table because she was trying to cover her ears and her nose and her nose and her face. And Even just... though it's a good story, this baby who's an orphan gets adopted by Santa. By and... Santa's elves. Yeah, it's Come pretty on. good. It's a good. It's a happy story. It is it. so happy. Yeah. Anyway. She must have fears of being adopted or something. I don't know. I mean, I do right before bed. I don't when after you leave the room, I go on there and I go, Hey, if you're naughty, I'm gonna send you to the orphanage. <laughs> that I tell her every night. Yeah, they didn't even know what an orphanage was. It was funny. Yep. So, you know, we watched that. Uh, we watched a couple of... I know we're in the middle of a Felice Navi Dad. I guess we can't talk about it because we didn't finish it. All I know is I'm enjoying it thoroughly and hating it so much at the same time. My ears are plugged, and I don't know if you said thoroughly right, but it was sort weird to me. Thoroughly. How else would you say it? I don't know. My ears thoroughly, are plugged. Thoroughly? Thoroughly? My ears are plugged. they got some earwax in them or something. That's disgusting. Nobody wants to hear about your bodily fluids, Tyler. This is a Christmas podcast today. Keep it clean. All right. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, what else? Yeah, yeah. Felice Navi Dad, we'll have to talk about sometime. I Do we have to talk about it? We watched the Christmas Prince baby one. I don't know. I thought we watched all those Christmas Prince Netflix movies, but it turns out I guess we didn't watch that Christmas Prince baby one. I'm not three. even sure we watched the second one. Nah. <laughs> They're all the same. What I really enjoy was um, your constant comments about how, you know what? One thing these movies get right for Christmas. This oh, is me yeah. Speaking as Tyler. Yeah. Snow. Just yeah. look at that snow. I mean, 32 times in the movie, you're like, I mean, look at the yeah, snow. No, they just I, really get it right. The Christmas Prince series is is very dull. Actually, I find the, like, the characters to be pretty dull, and I, I don't think like they're that like compared to like princess switch princess switch is engaging uh this these are not but i'll tell you what it gets right they film in like a nordic location and there's snow on the ground and there's snow falling it's not fake they don't just save like one lame snowfall for the end like yep gives you snow the whole time through you know it's cold there and when it comes to one of these generic christmas movies i like i like to see that snow at least navy dad does the thing where it's like set in arizona screw that um Speaking of Netflix Christmas movies, did you spend 20 minutes during the movie looking up the worlds of Netflix Christmas movies to see how they all tied together? Yeah, I did. And I was excited at first because in Princess Switch 2, these pr- the Princess Prince, Christmas Prince, people show up at the end. <laughs> With their baby. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, these things are connected. So I was excited to like learn about how connected they are. But then it's kind of disappointing. You look it up and it's like, oh, well, this one was on TV in the background of this scene. So th- that's well, the only them, like real like actual crossovers. With one of the crosso- crossovers is A Christmas Night, which also has Vanessa Hudgens, who's also the Christmas Switch person. Yeah. And I, again, most for the most part, they're just like on the television in the that's background stupid. or something. Yeah. So I was like Come on, getting Netflix. excited about... Build a world. I kind of feel universe. like, honestly, like, 
it started as a joke or they like someone mentioned they're like oh yeah we should totally do that let's get those princess prince christmas prince people down in the princess switch see i can't i mean the problem is nobody can keep track of all this anyway yeah i want to see a map of where all these countries are yeah i mean yeah there needs to be whole because in like christmas prince three or whatever (laughs) whatever it's called what i find fascinating is just like geographically like it, these are like it's all super all white people in one country, and then like the leaders of the other country are, are, well, like, are only two countries, not even over one country. But it's over. like they're all Asian descent. But I'm just like so I'm trying to figure out like I want to know. I, I just want to see a map. Is like are are other Asian real Asian countries kind of mixed in there or what's going on there? Yeah, because I was getting the sense that the country was like deep in the middle of like Europe, like just in like Northern Europe, like a Norway type scenario. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like real white, real white, right? So and then it's when real snow. So when I see that, I'm just like, all right, well, where is this country? You know, are they close to the equator? What's going on? I was just, you know, I'm curious. Is it closer to the equator? Yeah, warmer. People get more sun. I don't know. They'd be at least tan, don't you think? Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's our Christmas movie. The other thing I want to say. (laughs) Okay, sorry. This is more to do with uh, Felice Navi Dad. But, like... It's always good when you see these amateurish movies. And yeah, so Felice Navi Dad's got Mario Lopez. And listen, Mario Lopez, we like him. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, we like him. We've been watching a little bit of that Saved by the Bell reboot, which is shockingly pretty good. Yeah, I've uh, enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Which is go listen to our other podcast on Saved by the Bell. But that's pretty good. Um, no, but he's fine, right? And even like the lead girl is fine, kind of. But like sometimes in these real cheapy productions, the secondary characters, oh man, I swear they've never acted before or they don't, they don't know because there's an old man in Fleece Navy Dad. He's like the dad of, of the main girl. And there's not just one dead mom in this uh, movie, there's two. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there you go, double getting those bingo of so uh, many dead, dead moms. Yeah. So many dead moms. Sometimes it's a dead dad. More often, dead mom. Christmas Chronicles, it's a dead uh, dad. Okay. Kurt Russell one. And a lot of other ones like that. So Okay. That's what I like about the Santa Claus, Tim Allen. He's just divorced from the other lady. Yeah, which is like more realistic yeah. and relatable to children who these movies are supposed to be But anyway, this for. old guy, man, he's funny because, number one, like the script's bad, right? It doesn't make any sense. All the lines are kind of lame. But this the guy... The writing is so bad. But the guy doesn't know, like, it, it's like a new... It's like every word is like a new invention to this man. Yes. He is like saying it with like inflection on the weirdest parts of the sentence. He's used... His hands are just everywhere. He's acting with his hands like I've never seen anybody act is before. It, maybe he's a theater actor or something uh, he's a community theater actor <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I'd be he's shot- somebody's cousin you watch me I'll probably go look him up and he's been in like a hundred movies <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so maybe a hundred like made but it's TV. always fun in these movies to just like in individual scenes just if, if it's a really bad scene which are most of them you can enjoy watching what they the director of these things have instructed the actors to do while reciting dialogue like for example wrapping a present or tying a bow oh, and then being the most incompetent person to ever tie a bow if you really pay attention like they're just holding the strand and like over looping and it around their finger like multiple times just to like stretch the scene on you're like Lady, why is it taking you eight minutes to tie a bow that looks like a, you tied a shoelace? Because someone was like, you can't, or either, either it's one of two things. Either the director's just like, you gotta be doing something in the scene, or the actor needed to be able to get through the lines by uh, doing something with their hands. Otherwise, they're yes. gonna talk with their hands, like having them over yeah, their face something. and doing home alone screams and whatnot. I don't know. Something was weird. What? Don't throw down. stuff down on the table when we're recording. It's bad enough you're shaking your ice water. Slurping over there. Jesus, Tyler, get it together. It's real life. 
<laughs> it's 3D. 3D audio podcast. You're like in the room with us. Okay, so let's briefly allow you a set amount of time to talk about non-Christmas movies and go. Oh, there wasn't very much I watched. You know, I, um, well, there is a lot, but there's not a lot to really write home about, I suppose. I tried to catch up with, uh, at, in January, we will do kind of what we do every year, because I, I will write a top 10 list or so for the year, and then we usually do a podcast about the best of the year. The problem is, you know, I think we've all, seen fewer movies this year and you especially i think because we haven't been going to the movie theater our viewing has been very divergent you will watch a tv you know you tend to watch more tv shows you like watching shows i tend to watch movies and so this year we'll probably do like a favorite entertainment of the year because you probably have more tv shows you want to talk about oh uh, yeah like the final series finale of supernatural yeah. yes yes so there you yes, go sir you can talk about that now if you want to um i'll save it for the best of the best of ever what's the best ever thing yeah okay. it's like over forever tyler okay yeah that's what they always say and then here comes another one 15 seasons they did yeah that's so a long show they'll come back it they will not come back they'll come back no and everything comes back no They'll reboot it. They may not be the same guys, but they'll just reboot it. No. Yeah. Anyway, so you've watched... Oh, so I've just been watching some movies that, you know, <laughs> end up, you know, just trying to fulfill the list or whatever. I watched uh, Ammonite with Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan, and it's okay. Uh, it's kind of one... It's like one of the few, like, major, quote-unquote, Oscar releases that stuck to the schedule, um... And it's it's a period romance ish thing, but uh, it is okay. Good acting in it, but nothing spectacular. I would say you could rent that. Uh, I watched Uncle Frank on Amazon Prime. Is it a movie about the uncle in Home Alone? No, uncle I Frank. thought it was, and I got excited, and <laughs> it wasn't. It does have Paul Bettany as uh, it's kind of takes place in the uh, it's the sixties or seventies. I'm not sure. And he is just part of this family who's a you know super conservative family. He is, uh, you know, closeted, um, and he. It's not really about him. It's kind of about his niece, and then she kind of begins to understand his his world after his dad dies, her grandfather or whatever, because who kind of disowned him and all that stuff for being um, just being gay. And um, Paul Bettany is this character, and he's pretty good in it. Um, it's notably directed and written by Alan Ball, who oh, okay. You know, wrote American Beauty and then and also did Six, Six Feet, Feet Under and True Blood and all that, yeah. right? Um, and yeah, so, you know, that's kind of notable. The guy won an Oscar for American Beauty, although obviously that movie has not <laughs> had the benefit of age on its side. Um, but yeah, you know, it's okay. It's a pretty good performance from Paul Bettany. Um, it, it's familiar territory, but, it, you know, it was watchable, I'd say. Uh, then I watched Tesla, which was kind I of this... I kind of wanted to see that. Tesla. Yeah. It's a biopic-ish of sorts uh, starring Ethan Hawke uh, that's on Hulu, and it is do very... I, do I want to see it now? It's very okay, I would oh. say. It does do some a few kind of off-kilter things. There's a part of the movie where he, like, breaks into song, for example. Oh, okay. But not, like, a, you know, not a period song. It's, like, a... It's a very notable song from, like, the 80s and okay. not from his time period. Weird. Kind of like that, though. Uh, yeah, I... In a, you know, so I kind of heard... I had heard that this was, like, a scene in the movie, so that kind of pushed the movie toward the top of me wanting to watch it, right? Oh, yeah. Because yeah, I yeah. thought, like, oh, that's unconventional. I'd like to see that, right? And, yeah, I mean, I wish the movie was maybe a little bit more... Weird. Of that, a little bit weirder, yeah. and things like that. I mean, it's an interesting character, and I like kind of learning a little bit more about 
that, but um, yeah, you know, I could have used a little bit more. Anytime you show me that you can be a little bit weird, I want, I generally want it to get weirder. Yeah. And this was not that much yeah. weirder, so. Yeah, you know, I feel like last year there were a handful of movies that kind of crossed the line into like super strange, but really entertaining and really, really, really good. Well, yeah, and I think there's a, there's a defensive, I mean, not, not defensive, there's a divisiveness that can happen there. I think the great example this year is probably, I'm thinking of Ending Things, oh, yeah. Charlie Coffin's movie, which is yeah. insane and really goes there, but, you know, I think a lot of people would probably sit down and be like, what is this? I think my dad even watched it and said he absolutely hated it. Oh, so. well, you told him that he probably would not like it. I did, or someone told me they hated it. I can't remember, and I was like, that doesn't surprise me. Also, by the way, it's going to be in my top ten. <laughs> like, and that's very common. Yeah. Uh, it's a very strange movie, but yeah. Um, oh, the last thing I'll talk about is one of Netflix's big movies this year. Netflix is kind of leading the front on kind of big releases this year, uh, winter just because... They can. They don't have to go to the movie theaters, right? Yep. So that's Mank. Um, this is a biopic, sort of, uh, about Howard Mankiewicz, who is one of the screenwriter. Well, you know, he's a screenwriter alongside Orson Welles on Citizen Kane. It's directed by David Fincher, and it was written by his dad, Jack Fincher. He's since died, but it was a script he worked on for a long time. And it's Gary Oldman as Howard Mankiewicz. It's shot in black and white, and um, yeah. So I, I mean, I like many cinephiles love Citizen Kane. Um, I was smart enough to read a little bit about the movie beforehand in that I had different expectations than I think a lot of people did. I think a lot of people were kind of expecting like this behind-the-scenes thing of Citizen Kane or getting insight on that, and it's really not that kind of movie. Mm, okay. It kind of models some stylistic choices, um, but then on the other hand, it kind of doesn't. I mean, it, um, it's shot in widescreen, for one, which mm -hmm. is just not not how movies were really shot that in that particular time period, but it's gorgeous black and white, so it looks incredible. But on top of that, there's little like flicker marks for like to, to like imitate like when a reel changes, which is a weird combination. So sometimes it's a little bit like uh, stylish for its own sake. Um, yeah. But I like the performance by Gary Oldman. Um, Amanda Seyfried's really great in it. She plays Marion Davies, um, who has this connection to. William Hurst, who's kind of the inspiration for the Citizen Kane character, right? Um, so their scenes are really great together. I think Amanda Seyfried is probably the best thing about the movie. Um, I liked all that dynamic because it's kind of like almost a hangout movie when they're just kind of interacting a little bit. They just mm -hmm. kind of have a intellectual connection a little bit, and so they can kind of talk about the way of the world and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's I, I actually really enjoyed it as a movie just for someone who kind of likes time period and likes this game. But if, you, if you're looking to, like, get number one, like a lot of this idea that like Howard Mankiewicz was the driving creative force of like what Citizen Kane was has been largely debunked. I mean, it was Orson Welles was probably, you know, it's Orson Welles is moving. He gets all obviously a ton of credit, but um, you know, the, the argument that it was all this guy that wrote it is also kind of not true. I mean, mm -hmm. it was really a combination of them and it's interesting because they did kind of like trash each other um, afterwards. But I mean, it's a fascinating time period. It's kind of more about the time period and like what the, political state of Hollywood is at this time and it kind of explains why something like Citizen Kane only walks away with one Oscar which is the screenwriting Oscar they didn't win anything else it's because it was blackballed in the media by William Hurst and so oh, yeah. a lot of that's kind of fascinating and um, a lot of the political arguments have a lot of weird echoes <laughs> like it's not, so strange how that happens and not you know I, I mean I know I think a lot of like critics and think people say that a lot about movies that are set in the past like oh it doesn't have feel relevant today and it's like yes but this has like echoes that are strangely very specific which I 
I don't know. It's weird because I know that the screen, the script was kind of written over the course of a long period of time by, uh, I think his name is Jack Fincher, but it does feel very specifically referencing like more recent things after he's died. So it's, it's, uh, it's funny how history repeats itself, I guess, but, um, so cliche in your commentary. I guess. I, I really liked it. Again, I would not say if you're expecting some kind of insight into Citizen Kane. I mean, Orson Welles as a character is barely in the movie. He's mm. only in a couple of scenes. So um, knowing that, I think it's, it's an enjoyable watch. Called? It's called Mank. It's a weird title. Yeah. So that's probably going to get several Oscar nominations. I could see David Fincher winning director. I don't know if it's going to win Best Picture, though. That would be uh, no. a big... What is going to win Best Picture? Well, it could be a Netflix movie. It could be The Trial of Chicago 7, which is not a movie that will land... See, that's the funny thing. I don't think that... Uh, I won't talk about the other one, but there's the three big Netflix movies. I liked all three of them. None of them would be in my top ten. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that might also be... I mean, I think it'll get a lot of nominations, but I don't know if it'll win Best Picture. It's a very weird year. Mm-hmm. Plus, the Oscars are happening way later, like in April, so... April's so late compared to, well... There's a more eligible... February. So January and February February movies are going to count, but see, nothing's scheduled to be released. I mean, a couple things, including No Man Land, which I've seen and, and Wonder about. Woman. Well, Wonder Woman, yeah, that comes out... That still would be end of the regular, because it comes out Christmas Day. Is that Day. in contention? Is it going to be good? It might be. It's got good early reviews. It might have technical awards. Who knows? It's a weird year. It's a weird year. I don't know what's going to happen. When are we going to watch Wonder Woman? Probably, like, the day after Christmas, along with Soul, when that comes out. When does that come out? Christmas Day. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we were a little busy on Christmas Day, so it might be tough, but... Okay, I have another question. Okay. I can wait until we get into a Christmas story, Mm -hmm. but when should we have Christmas dinner? Well, you this this really threw me to feel a loop today because you're like, oh, we should have Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve, like like normal. I'm like, like normal? No, we've never done it that way. <laughs> I don't know why, but for some reason, it feels like such a pain in the ass mm-hmm. to do this um, chaotic. And I'm thinking of a Christmas story as I'm saying this. Yeah. This chaotic Christmas morning of fucking presents galore. Yeah, I'm then, with you. And, I mean, you're exhausted as parents. Mm-hmm. And then for mom to whip up a fucking Christmas yeah, dad. feast. Right, we do it together. Knock it off. Like, not 50-50. But, yeah, you do My help. ass. Not 50-50. Are you serious? You Are you, you serious? actually contribute 50% to the big feast that we do? I can... <gasps> How dare you? Uh, when it's ham? Yeah, I can handle... We I do at least 50%, if not more. That's easy. You handle, like, raw poultry, because that's, like, uh, I don't like doing that. But you, no, no, when it's 50%, I'm involved oh. with all that. Oh, are you? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's I'm outrageous. Gonna, I'm going to time and measure your participation this year. I'm going to do 0% now that you tried to call I'm me out on a recording. percent We're going to have cold ham sandwiches for fucking Christmas dinner. Sounds fucking great. <laughs> yeah, sounds easy and very well, achievable. We're the one to talk. We've got a ham that's, you know, pre-cooked. Uh, we got mashed potatoes that are in a package. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> Rolls just gotta get popped in the oven. No, they don't just get. Oh, popped they gotta in the rise. Oven. You gotta set them out the fucking like night before. Yeah. Okay. The point is, we're not making anything from scratch. <gasps> That's not true. We're making either. green beans, which I usually am involved with completely, almost halfway at least. This your is perception. Of your, your perception is outrageous. <gasps> what? Yeah, your perception's outrageous. Who's making the sweet potatoes? Oh yeah, we're gonna make sweet potatoes. Yeah, I'll c- carve them and slice them up and get them ready. You'll carve them like a jack o' lantern. Yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, 
<laughs> dice them? Gonna, I'll dice them. Are you going to make the gravy for the mashed potatoes? That comes in a packet. Sure. No, it doesn't. It's packaged. We got a package of gravy. That's just like some of the mix. You don't just like, it doesn't just like magically Water come and flour. Boom. Oh my God. I, one Christmas, I would love for you to do all of it yourself. What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> Anyway, I like how you, you know what this is. So bullshit. the question is, okay, this okay, is bullshit. You. You're like trying to like call out a, like a some kind of domestic. Uh, it's fine. I'll give you that you you contribute a large portion. I don't won't give you fifty, but I'll, I'll give that's I'll outrageous. give you I'll give you like thirty five percent. You do. I do at least half the cooking in this house in general. So whatever. Oh my god, are you serious? Are you serious? Mm. <laughs> Anyway, so when if you, you aggregate all the meals of the day during a normal time period, that is absolutely oh, yeah, 50%. throwing a granola bar at the children in the no, morning I don't does count not the granola count bar. as cooking breakfast. You, you like to count it when you do it. When was the last <laughs> time you cooked the kids' breakfast? I don't... Uh, oh, go ahead and finish that sentence. Today. I don't cook the kids' breakfast, is what you were going to say. I don't normally cook their kids' breakfast when they are can do it themselves. You're right. But I, today I did it. I made them oatmeal. You made them oatmeal? Absolutely. Did you? Yeah, I made Marshall oatmeal. <laughs> you made one of the fortunes. I make oatmeal for them all the time. I love you so much. It comes in a packet. It's basically like the gravy. Just because you... It makes itself pretty much. Just, just pack it in hot water. want to make pancakes does not mean that I'm responsible for making them pancakes. So back to my original question. You're being shitty. You're trying to call me out for not doing the amount of work, and I'm not going to stand for it. <laughs> You know what I'm really expressing when I say that? What? Is that I need some appreciation for... Because it's not just the standing in the kitchen. What are we having this it's, conversation it's for? Because it relates to a Christmas story. <laughs> yes, it does. Because it's the planning. It's mm -hmm. the purchasing. It's the timing. Which of, I did. It's the timing. Did you? Yeah. I did all that. Did I already have all the Christmas dinner stuff already in the shopping cart for you? No. Yes, I did. <laughs> Didn't. You fucker. Oh, my God. Now you're killing me. <laughs> it's the planning, the grocery shopping, the timing of everything, when to start things to remember that the rolls have to come out to rise the night before that's a lot it's not just like well i chopped some things so i did half <laughs> i'm going on strike so let's get back to the original question <laughs> when is the right time to have christmas dinner oh, i like your idea i think we should totally like make it on christmas eve and then just have leftovers and make cinnamon rolls on the next day yeah eat cinnamon rolls christmas morning so yeah. it's i mean it's different so growing you know we don't have a bunch of extended family near I, us your parents do that i was gonna say I know, but Just back, that. Yeah, back in the day when we were younger, uh -huh. we would have my dad's side of the extended family on Christmas Eve, which yeah. was a ton of people. We'd have a, a bunch huge of dinner. Then we'd do Christmas morning, eat some leftovers, and then we'd usually go to my mom's side of the family oh. Christmas afternoon, dinner-wise. I guess that hasn't happened in... It now we're all too all the families have grown yeah. too much that we can't all get the last like that. The last few times we were down there, your dad would just make a big breakfast, and then there'd be like leftovers for. We do like gifts. Then he'd make a big breakfast, and then there'd be like this leftovers from the day before and I stuff can't. like that. Yeah. You see, because we have so many kids now, we haven't even uh, gone down the last couple of years just because it's hard. And now there's Tiny COVID, littles. and yeah. we're not doing that anyway. So yeah, anyway. Well, the problem that Marion has that she's going on strike about having Christmas dinner Christmas Eve is that the other night we had chicken quesadillas. Which mm -hmm. she hadn't had. She just had regular quesadillas. So we made shredded chicken with them. And she loved them. So I said, oh, maybe we could do that for Christmas Eve. So in her mind, she's been looking forward to ch chicken quesadillas for Christmas Eve. Yeah. So. We made, that was a 50% meal. You made, you started the chicken in the pressure cooker. Then I shred the cheese and I cooked up the, the things. That's true. Put the chicken in. You get two cooking points. Good job. 
I'm done. You're, we're on strike. You get two wooden spoons, Tyler. I'm on strike, man. I you don't it. appreciate me. I do appreciate you. Um, okay. You, okay. So the reason I bring this up is that Christmas dinner is featured in the movie Christmas Story. And we're going to talk about that movie a lot. So before we That's do... That's because this is the focus of this episode. Yeah. is a Christmas Story. Right. So Christmas Story, what do you remember or high stats first? What do you remember? I okay. don't know. Yeah, I don't care. Tyler, what do you remember? Um, I wrote, I remember everything. Because I watched this movie about 500 times. I wrote, I'm not writing anything because I remember everything. See, th- I said this is probably my most seen Christmas movie and I think that's accurate. Um, and then I also wrote that this alongside Jurassic Park is probably a movie in which I could recite as a one-man show. Oh, please do. And maybe Home Alone I could do as well. I feel like you could probably do Home Alone even better than this one. Probably. And that that's where, um, I mean, I de- it's a, it would be a tough call to know which one I've seen more, Home Alone or A Christmas Story, because I feel like as a young child I racked up those uh, viewings of Home Alone, right? Yes, a lot. And then when I got a little bit older, I, you know... I liked Christmas Story, and it was so easy to watch it multiple times because they put it on damn TV for 24 hours a day on Christmas Day. And then yes. that kind of became a gag where you'd at least watch part of it multiple times. Yeah. So, you know, you rack it up. So I'm, I'm not sure, but I could probably recite uh, and Jurassic Park, of course. Of course. Yeah. So let's do some high stats for a Christmas Story. Mm-hmm. It came out November 18th, 1983, a mere couple days after my birthday. The day I was born, a couple days later, like that. Mm-hmm. It's rated PG. Mm-hmm. Uh, clocks in at a one hour and 33 minutes. Yep. Yep. It was written and directed. Written by Gene Shepard, based on the novel In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash, by Gene Shepard. He's the narrator of the film as well, obviously. Yes, and directed by Bob Clark. Bob Clark uh, is known for... Uh, t- he's He has two iconic Christmas movies on his... Uh, on his filmography, this and uh, the horror film Black Christmas. So there you go. He's a bit of a he's made all sorts of movies, but there you go. He made two pretty well liked uh, Christmas movies. Although one is a you know horror movie, obviously. Yes. Um. Yeah. Peter Billingsley is your uh, lead star. Is uh, Ralphie? Well, he's not. He's not. I mean, it says first build only in Mel- this cast overview. Melinda Dillon was first build. Peter Billingsley is like way down. I think because it was like an and Peter Billingsley as Ralph. Okay, so we got Melinda Dillon. We got Darren McGavin as the old man Parker. Scott Schwartz as Flick. Yep. Gene Shepard as Ralphie as an adult. Mm -hmm. Ian Petrella as Randy. Uh, R.D. Rob is uh, just uh, some other people. Yeah. (laughs) I don't recognize any of the names. Well, no, but Melinda Dillon and uh, Darren McGavin obviously appeared in many, many things after this uh, very well. No, and Melinda Dillon is an Oscar nominee. Um, I don't know if Darren McGavin ever did get a nomination at any point, but um, but yeah, well known. Uh, people will probably remember Peter Billingsley is more of a. I think he's more of a producer now. He does appear in Elf uh, as an elf at the North Pole. One and, of the main elves. And then he went on to like produce movies for John Favreau, who directed Elf and stuff like that. He produced. Well, I don't know if he was a full producer, but worked with him a lot after that. So yeah, so he's stayed in the business. Yep. The movie was budgeted at three point three million mm-hmm. and grossed uh, twenty million. Yeah, I mean, I think it was probably considered um, a modest hit, but maybe not something that people remember being beloved at the time. It kind of gained esteem on video and on cable viewings, obviously. Um, 
Yeah, so that's the high stats. We can kind of go back. That's cause... the high stats. The high-level plot of the movie in a sentence is, in case you don't remember what A Christmas Story is about. <clears throat> How could you not? In the 1940s, a young boy named Ralphie attempts to convince his parents, his teacher, and Santa that a Red Ryder BB gun really is the perfect Christmas gift. He really wants one, man. He spends the whole movie trying to get it. Um, so I'm curious. This kind of We can dive into this kind of more of the... I guess it's part of what do you remember, but when was, do you have a memory of when you first saw this at all? Well, it came out when I was born. Now, you definitely didn't see it then. Maybe I did. You were an infant. Your t- parents took you to the theater. I was theater. like two days old. Your parents that you, that were, you're not your real, but your, you know, your parents that birthed you, but then you were adopted. What What's the word for those parents? Your birth parents. Birth parents. Yeah. yeah. But I don't refer, see, because then I said not your real parents, which is weird because I'm like, well, they, I guess they are technically your real parents, but because I, I consider your current parents to be your real parents i mean it really depends on your relationship with your biological parents what you call them yes you can call them biological i meant parents, biological parents birth parents you could call them sperm donor egg donor whatever you really right. want to call them anyway, anyway i don't think that your biological parents took you to the movie but i could be wrong about that uh yeah do you have a memory when you saw it first i just remember seeing it so many times that no i do not have a specific first time viewing do you tyler well yes but it, here's the thing that i was uh pondering about you was that your parents at their house, it used to be, I don't know if, if it's like this anymore, but they used to have all the movies that they owned uh, on a wall, on a bookshelf in their house, right? Yep. And it, it dates back to, I believe, when they first started, because there's a lot of VHS tapes up there. Yeah. And a few DVDs and stuff like that, but there's VHS tapes. So, I mean, I've gotten a history of like what your parents watched just, <laughs> and you by extension growing up by what was in there. Mm-hmm. And a Christmas story was not in that. It wasn't. Group. No, I don't think you guys had a copy of that. I don't remember, but it was on TV. Maybe you had a DVD copy, but that see, that tells me that you, that was not one that you grew up with because but it was it wasn't on TV. It was on TV a lot. And I'm trying to remember when it started doing, I think it was 90, I want to say it's like 97. There's information on this, of like when it started doing like it's a marathon run. Um, but I remember, uh, and this kind of feeds into a kind of a topic I want to get into at some point, but, um, I don't remember this until a very specific time. Oh, okay. My dad was, he had a a very good relationship with the local video store guy. Uh, you know. They just, they, you know, they were like, you know, we knew, the, we knew the guy by name. Because your parents watch a shit fuck ton of movies. Yeah, so we knew the guy by name and it was it's like... It's like a, going to a bar where everybody knows your name. It's and then like, I the just Wilsons remember when this this video store, Videoonics, got like, they had VHS tapes, right? Uh-huh. And then it was like the big thing they got. I was like, whoa, okay, hey guys, we got laser discs. Laser discs. You want to get yourself a laser disc player. This video quality is so much better. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, look yeah, at yeah. this. It's like a CD, but it's look at this giant ass disc. Look at this thing. Yeah, it's like the size of a record. If you want to watch one movie, you got to flip this over like four times and you're going to just, it's going to be so worth it. So my dad, I don't know. I think laser discs were around for a while. I don't, I wouldn't call him an early adopter, but whenever. The video store started getting well, a lot of copies. Well, laser were only around for like two years, so he had to have been <laughs> an early adopter. I don't know about that, but... Our family never got laser discs. I think part of it was my dad's frustration of like, you know, when you go to the video store and they don't have... It was a local store. It wasn't, like, it wasn't Blockbuster. It wasn't like thousands of copies of a movie, right? So like movies were out of... You know, they weren't there. But see, like the laser disc, because not a lot of people had the laser disc, like the laser disc copy was like always available. So I think my dad was partly like, I'm going to get some new releases up in this bitch. Of course it So was. he got a laser disc player and... And he bought, um, with the Laserdisc player, it was mostly to rent movies. We didn't own a lot. He didn't ever buy a lot of Laserdisc movies. 
But he bought... Oh, I'm trying to... Damn it. I'm trying to think what the other movie... He bought two movies when we first got the Laserdisc player. And I don't remember the other one now, but the second one was A Christmas Story. Mm-hmm. And it, I didn't... I had no idea why. And because I had never watched it. We never... That wasn't a movie we watched. And so, like, I feel like my first introduction was him showing it to us on the Laserdisc and just, like... This was like you couldn't. It couldn't be Christmas season unless we watched this movie, and it was a, the tradition in our house was like we watched. For me, I was like, we gotta watch Home Alone because Home Alone aired on TV like on Thanksgiving. That became a thing. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we gotta watch it on Thanksgiving or near Thanksgiving. Well, he then adopted this push to do a Christmas story, and so the story goes. Uh, it just reminded him the movie. I don't know when he saw it. Um, but whenever he did, it reminded him of his childhood. Now, the timeline doesn't match up, right? Because no, he wasn't a, born in the 40s. A Christmas Story is... The, it's very vague about to when exactly this is set specifically, but it is Midwest, which he grew up in, like, Wisconsin area. Um, so this is set, I think, maybe... Is Indiana Indiana. Considered? It's yeah, set in set Indiana. Indiana. So, yeah, Midwest. So he just... It reminded him of... His life growing up, which would have been in the, you know, or a little bit of the six. When was he born? In the sixties, mostly, right? So, but it was just like the dad reminded him of that, and they had an old furnace like this, and they remember having dogs that were running around, and there was just a lot of elements that just reminded him of how his parents behaved, and how they approached Christmas, and so that was the thing. And so I remember watching this kind of like how we watch it with our kids which is just like hey no you gotta watch this part <laughs> or yeah. you gotta oh this is the part where it's like oh this is how my dad used to do that or this is how my and that was my introduction we watched it and i became fascinated by the stories he would talk about the movie mm-hmm. and then it, so i mean when i first watched it, like yeah i mean it's okay i guess you know it's a movie i like movies you know mm-hmm. but it's it grew in esteem because of the connection right and so to the point where i mean i i used to rewatch movies a lot i mean i used to learn where this movie, like, you had to flip it over for the the movie to go to the second half. Mm-hmm. And it's actually right at... Uh, there's a part where Scott Farkas is... He's harassing them the whole movie, the bully. He calls... Uh, uh, what's... The, not not Schwartz, the other friend. Um, Flick? Flick. Uh, over. He said, come over here. When I tell you to come over here, you come here. And he calls him over here. He goes, say uncle. He goes, uncle, uncle, uncle. He screams and then it cuts and then uh-huh. you have to flip it over to the middle. It's a random scene. memory. It is. That's when you had to flip the disc over. So it was like the word uncle. You know, it's estimated, Tyler, that in 1998, mm-hmm. laser disc players were in approximately what percentage of households? 12%. Two. Two yeah, percent. It never, it never caught on. Nobody I knew. Yeah. I didn't even, I didn't even know what laser discs were until I met you. Well, cause here's the thing about laser discs. Like, the quality was better than VHS, but they're huge. I mean, it was it's cumbersome. I remember my dad bought let's see because DVD started really coming out like late nineties, right? Mm-hmm. Ninety eight, ninety nine, maybe two thousand around that thing, right? Well, my dad got he bought Titanic mm-hmm. on Laserdisc, 
And as I, as you can imagine, that's like a three hour plus movie. That movie that had like four. You had to flip that sucker over. That's you had to change terrible. the disc like eight times. And that is why Laserdisc didn't survive. But I remember like the Laserdisc, like they were trying to push it because like the price of the Laserdisc was like the same price as the VHS. Yeah. For a little while, they're like, oh, we could, come on, you guys yeah. gotta buy these things. I think if you look into the history, like the price of producing the Laserdisc dropped pretty good too. So. Yeah, we never. I mean, we didn't own that many of them, but um, oh, we had we had Die Hard with a Vengeance, which is what I watched that like for the first time. Probably worth awesome. some money now if you guys still had them. I don't know if he. I have to ask him where he put those. This is a good follow up. In the dumpster, episode. probably. Probably. Where they belong. Because I even think at one point he's just like, oh, I'm getting rid of this laserdisc player. Do you want it? I'm like, nah. yeah. Like, no. <laughs> what am I going to do with that? Every movie I liked, I just, you know, DVDs became so cheap. You're, you can just get you're them. You're so old even having DVDs. I do have a lot of DVDs still. I won't get rid of them. Because, yeah. you know. But that now is rare. It is. Even getting Blu-rays is outdated now. If yeah. you're going to get a physical media, it's like, it's, you get 4K or it's not worth it or whatever. And I just don't give a shit. But no. I like having the thing, but I don't, I'm not a yeah, I don't AV like... uh, production. I, to me, it, I don't know. It looks good enough on my TV in a DVD or Blu-ray form. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. We don't like being dictated by what the streaming services want to provide us for movies. That being said, like, for example, when uh, I, I was very excited... <laughs> When Netflix, uh, they have little things that play, and they're like, coming Wednesday, Moneyball. And I'm like, oh, I, when that comes on, I'm gonna, I can't wait to watch Moneyball. And I was like, I have the Blu-ray downstairs. I can watch it right now. And I was like, oh, you know, Tyler, I'll be okay. And Tyler. then, like, sure enough, it showed up. I was like, oh, it's time to watch Moneyball. A couple episodes you talked about Moneyball. Yeah. God, you really love Moneyball. It's a good movie. <laughs> so that's a good memory you have of uh, a Christmas story. Yeah, so that's how it grew in esteem for me. Um and now I just uh, grow up to love it. Now, so that's what I want to talk about. Uh, and I've got other things to talk about with this movie specifically, but uh, watching it with our kids mm -hmm. this year was interesting. I feel like we've had more successful viewings uh, in the past with a couple of our kids. So they watched it. This time, it's just like was not their thing. They were not interested. It I, was not engaging to them. It I kept calling them in to watch certain scenes, and they would kind of find them amusing, but... Um, uh, no, I don't think that they connected with it unless I was trying to do the thing where I was like, no, 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 watch this part. Or, you know, this is a good part where they do this or whatever. Yeah. Um, I have an in next year. I kind of tease with them, but I can talk about that in a minute for another story about this movie. But, um, no. And I bet then you raised a pretty good point because we ended up rewatching Home Alone relatively near when we watched this. Mm -hmm. And you made a good, really good point about, uh, why you think that they enjoy that more and you can share that well i think i was thinking about a christmas story and how it's really from this old man's perspective mm -hmm. who's looking back on like the good old days right and it's really a tale from a, an old dude's story the language is very it's, it's very, i mean it's gene shepherd it's very yeah. it's very entertaining as adult right i mean it's yes. very delightful to listen to but it's very narration heavy yeah. It's definitely from his reflective yeah. state back. So it's like an old guy story. Um, yeah. He's making references insight. about his life, like a, this child's life that you wouldn't necessarily understand if you're as little as our kids. No. You're like, a, yeah. uh, what? And he's talking about his dad, but he's talking about his dad from now being an older man. Like, yeah. Insight and, that he gained as he's And older. then it's just a time period that they're not um, it's privy to. It's hard to relate to. Yeah, they're like listening to a radio. That's like, well, like we, it's like we listen to the radio in the car. What do you mean? Are they going to watch TV later? I'm like, uh, nope. <laughs> you know, so there's there's some aspects there that I think they struggled with. But then your point with like Home Alone was that 
that's told entirely from young Kevin's perspective. It's uh-huh. his world. Yeah. It's what's happening in the movie is what's happening to him yeah. then, right then. And it's you're, his reaction. You're sympathetic with him. Right. You see how his siblings treat him like an asshole and you side with him. Yeah. You're yeah. not like, oh, looking back, blah, blah, blah. Right. So I think it's just uniquely... It, it, it's meant to play it, while it is like family friendly friendly in most respects it is i think a more of a movie for adults than yeah. it is for kids i also mentioned this to my mom that we were going to record this podcast we watched it with the kids and they weren't like super into it and she just made a side comment about yeah i guess your kids have never really experienced that like that deep deep de- deep desire for one thing oh and that, yeah like obsessive nature about getting that one prized possession yeah and i think that our culture's really changed since then where even if you don't have a lot of money you have a lot of stuff sometimes we're so stuff heavy that people people get lots of stuff and it's it's very uncommon to have that like just oh i just really 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 want this one things so badly not to mention like a lot of the things that kids now like uh, is accessible even if you don't have the fancy gadget because a lot of the what our kids like are in like a game Mm -hmm. or online Mm -hmm. and they can have access to that from like the dumpy computer that was given to us by the school you know what i mean like they have access to the things that they like they actually have access to and that's a strange thing i mean that's we've talked about that before where like it was so. I think when we were talking about we were watching Animaniacs and new Animaniacs, and we were just like, yeah, we. I mean, I used to watch this like every afternoon or whatever when it come on. I'm like, what do you mean come on? I was like, well, you actually had to wait for things to air yeah. on television, yeah. and then if you missed it, you didn't watch. And they're just like, wait, what? Like they yeah. don't have any concept of this because yeah. everything is just available. Yeah, we're trying to just explain to them like, no, if we wanted like to get a song on tape. We'd have to either call and request from the DJ and then sit around the radio for a while, or it was one of the top ten, and on 93.1, they'd play the Magic 9 at 9 or something, and you'd wait Mm -hmm. until... Uh, what was the song? Aqua, uh, Aqua. I'm a Barbie oh, girl. That was like my favorite song of the time. Yeah. I specifically remember knowing it was in the top nine, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and then having being prepared to push that record button. Yeah. So, but the version I then had has this weird introduction from the DJ <laughs> yeah, plus, too. It's like, and here at number three is uh, Barbie the, Girl. Just the static noise of the clunk. background. <laughs> yeah. Just oh yeah, the clunk of the yeah. It's like our kids are like. What? Don't you just like have we have that to work MP3 for this stuff. player thing? I know. Well, and even then, they don't even understand. It's just like, like the kids are always just like, "Can you put more? I want this music on my uh, my MP3 player." It's like, well, I mean, I have to still, like, for most part, I have to buy it. Like, mm-hmm. I can't just put it on there. Yeah. And so sometimes they they do have learned that like we don't things sometimes things are not available. And, and it, we have to and buy it. it. We're not going to do them that. Off. Yeah, it does. But so, I, they can't relate to this. Like, oh, I really want this one thing, and. The, my parents don't want me to have it, but I really want or, it. Or, you know, like the the Jurassic Park series that's on Netflix, our son really liked. He's like, oh, they, they're gonna make, there's going to be more of those? I'm like, yeah, though, they're making them. He's like, oh, good. Are they going to be out tomorrow? I'm like, no. <laughs> like, like, it's not in how like this works. In like a year. In like a year. Actually, day. they're coming in January, which is really fast. But because I was like, they probably already made it. And he's like, well, then why don't they release it? Then I told him, I was like, I told him, like, Elliot, look, I saw it online. I was like, look, the Jurassic World show is going to be back in January. I, I guess they, it's like, oh, I thought you said it was going to take a while. I was like, well, I guess they must have made it all at once. And it's like, it's like, why don't they just release it tomorrow then? I was like, that's very fair. <laughs> I don't know, son. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they should just release it tomorrow. You're right. I don't know why we have to wait. You're right. It's stupid. Yeah. So that was my other insight I had not shared with you yet. Yeah. So I think that that makes sense. Um, you grow to appreciate it. I mean, that's true of my experience with the movie, too. I don't feel like I really connected with it until I 
kind of grew to appreciate how it was kind of connected to my dad. And then like, I, I think it deepens a little bit when you have your own kids a little bit and you yes. kind of start relating yeah. to different characters in it. Right. And my appreciation for it grew over the years as the jokes in it and the things we said started intertwining into family memories and history, you know, you br- cracking jokes all the time with lines from the movie and this is what this is one of the like i said i can recite a lot of this because i've seen it so much but it is because i mean you this some of the most random things i say are it's not just like the common ones too like you'll shoot your eye people you know say that no i'm i'm throughout the year i'll just go not a finger (laughs) (laughs) and that's just from the when he's like trying to fix the lamp and it's like that's just the part that's in my brain and that's in my brain forever funny yeah, it's good delivery. There's, there's a lot of really great performances in the movie. Chief, you know, chiefly the uh, Peter Billingsley is amazing as this kid. Yes, great um, casting. But then the parents are just, uh, just yeah, they're awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, and I was, re- I think I told you before this. I was like, oh, I got to read this New York Times thing. They were talking about m- the mom, and it was a column about the mom in a Christmas story. Ah, uh, tell me more because my perspective of this movie has changed since being a mom. Uh, the last nine years. I wouldn't say it was an amazing article, but it's very. It sounded very, very much what we talk about when we talk the movie. Uh, uh, it's like in the year 2020 with this horrible shit. Like we should fucking appreciate this mom. Yes, like she's the one who's say. like the goddamn hero of this whole thing. Like there's yes. just there's nothing. This family has nothing without this mom. Essentially, yes, that's what I was saying the whole time we were watching it. I yeah. was like, look at the fucking mom. Oh my god, she is saving his ass. She's taking care of the husband. She is cooking dinner. She is saving him from getting his ass beat from his dad, from getting in trouble. Yep. She's reminding him, "Hey, your show's on, kid. Kid, like, remember you want to wa- you want to listen to your radio show? Like, she's so many doing things everything. to balance and remember." And then her husband puts up this fucking skanky ass lamp leg. Oh yeah. I'm so on the mom's side. Like, yeah, knock that shit over. What I will say about her too is that she's um. So I mean, this is very much a. On the surface, it looks like the model of, like, a housewife, a put-upon housewife, right? But she's actually, um, you know, easily the most intelligent person in the movie. Mm -hmm. She's the one that everybody relies on. And she's also, like, like, just stealing little victories from these assholes all the time. Left and right. Like, the, the lamp thing, I mean, just the fact that she just, like, like, turns it off when they leave and say, oh, we don't want to waste electricity again. Like, burnt. Yeah, burnt. And, and knows how to easily get him to change the subject. Like, oh, I see the Bears are playing uh, the Packers on Thursday, Sunday or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. just easy thing to manipulate this guy. She knows exactly how to stop this asshole from just being a fucking terror, right? Mm-hmm. She's got this manipulation, like, uh, down. There's another example I was thinking of. Um, oh, man, I just spaced it now. But she is... Um, oh, my favorite thing, which is... And this is just so... So classic male toxic masculinity <laughs> from all directions okay. but near the end when they're putting the tree up and it's just this little thing where he's just like oh the lights are out these the the blue lights are out it's like she's like it's not the blue that's out it's the green that's out and he's like i don't i might have the colors backwards but he's like i'm not colorblind and she's like i'm not colorblind either <laughs> and then he turns it off and he's like oh see i told you it was green and it's just like you can see visually that it's not that yeah. color yeah and it's just like what the fuck? It's like a person who like has been proven wrong. Right in front She'll of She'll say it to him and then he's just like, ah, <laughs> I don't need to hear that. Yeah. Sounds a lot like our current political landscape. Um, yeah, what I like about her is she balances the, as an actress um, and as a character, 
She doesn't look too put upon. She's not, like, so flabbergasted and overwhelmed. But she is a little bit, but not, like, to the point where I'm, like, aggressively upset with the situation. She's so good that when she, like, does the soap thing to uh, Ralphie. Ralphie after the saying the word and he blames it on the his friend and gets he gets his ass beat on the phone, which is a dark <laughs> moment in this film. But um, uh, she kind of sasses him when he's leaving up to go to bed, and then she feels bad for, like, sassing him. She's such a good mom that she's, like, she puts the soap in her mouth herself, and it's just like, geez, like, how are you, you have so much patience? You know what's funny is until you had said that from your perspective, mm-hmm. that that's why she put the soap in her mouth, I never considered it as her, like like, punishing herself, I always saw it as she was just, like, curious, like, what does this taste like in your mouth? Oh, really? I feel like her, she's, it's a great performance. You can tell that she just feels slightly bad for what he, what she I says thought she to him. Said, I thought she said, I've always perceived that she felt bad for making him taste the soap. And so she's like, what is this like? And then she's like, oh my god. No, I think she has, a, she feels bad for her for yelling, yelling at, him. at him a little bit. Yeah. I think it's just so very subtle in her transition. Yeah. Melinda Dillon, she's great in this part. Um, and then, I mean, no, I mean, her greatest stuff is after this fight, right? Um, which I feel like is a, a, a great, it's not really after a Christmas Ralphie scene. Ralphie beats on the bully. They've been, he's been harassed by the kid for so much, and he finally just loses his fucking shit. And it, snaps. It is so, um, I feel like it's a very nuanced, very condensed, compacted, great example of just, like, the nature of being bullied and mm-hmm. then, like, finally just releasing that rage and hurt inside of you. It's a lot of pain that comes And he just out. fucking unloads on this kid and he's smashing him against the end. But you just, like, it's just, like, it's an incredible act of violence, right? Mm-hmm. But you immediately, what I love about it is, like, right when his mom shows up, because the little good little brother goes and grabs his, his glasses and goes and gets mom. Picks up his glasses, also star of the movie. He's great, yeah. The little brother, Randy. Yeah. Picks up his glasses and runs to go Which I'm always mom. very confused by when Ralphie calls him Brandy multiple times in this movie. I don't know if he's doing it as a like a slight or if he, the actor just kept saying Brandy. He says Brandy. Does he? Yeah, my the number one thing is like get up like on Christmas morning. Is he get up Brandy? He, he very oh, clearly I think says he's Brandy. Being like an older brother dick. Okay. Like Brandy's a girl name and he's like get up Brandy. Anyway, when the mom comes okay. um he he you know, he stops the fight, stops him from getting wailed on. And then he just looks at his mom and he starts just bawling. Like, and it is just such a great, like, encapsulation of that feeling, I think. Um, and what you would feel like if that were in your situation. I have not well, wailed on a bully, but I could I feel mean, what that would feel like. You know what I mean? You've probably seen me verbally wail on some bullies and it can be very powerful and cathartic but then you feel so upset you just unload because you you know you're still this victim i mean uh-huh. yeah you you have perpetuated an act yes <laughs> like he's you know he's definitely like you know done something here yeah um yeah i don't i don't know i've always just really liked that and then what she does i mean it, it, it's never she she instinctively knows that like this is not something that this boy did wrong. Yeah. Like it's something that happened and he he needed this to get over it. He stood up for himself. He kind of did a lot of the right things. He needed to be stopped, he needed to be intervened, right? Yeah. Um but you know knows that if it, the story goes the wrong way, his dad's going to be pissed. He's not going to understand. He's not going to understand the nuance of it. Yeah. And she just knows to like calm him down and like completely just move past it without and not and not just not omitting it. But saying, like, oh, Ralph, we had a fight. Oh, I know how boys are. Hey, the Bears are paying the Packers. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, like, not omitting. She doesn't hide it from But just being, dad. like, 
You don't need to worry it. about this. I got it. And that's it. another example of how this dad is just completely right on this mom from doing pretty much all the emotional yeah. legwork in this family. I think the detail that sets you up for like why Ralphie's so nervous is Randy under the cupboard crying, mm-hmm. waiting for dad to come home. And the mom's like, R- R- Randy, what are you doing? Dad's going to kill Ralphie. Dad's going to kill Ralphie. <laughs> Oh, he's not going to kill Ralphie. Are you okay? Do you want some milk? Yeah, the best detail. And my best, the favorite detail of that is like, okay, here's some milk. Okay, see you later. And then closes the door back yep, on him. She's like, okay. Leaves it open a little crack. Which is why I love the mom so much that I, I, I the, my one pet peeve of this movie the whole time is that like the dad gets to be the hero at the end and gives him the gun. Yeah. But the mom would never give him the gun, so I guess and it's also, very fair. But at the end, the mom was fucking right. And she's right. I mean, that's the true statement the about it. The fucking justification. But, like, this moment, like, this dad gets this moment of being attentive, and it's just like, oh, good job, you fucking paid attention to your kid one time to realize that he wanted this gun. Yes. Another um, scene of the movie that I hadn't ever really paid attention to, but I appreciated more this year, was when they're driving to go get their Christmas tree, mm-hmm. or taking it home, and they're all singing jingle bells in the car, mm-hmm. and it's just, it sounds fucking awful. Yeah. Like, well, they even but, make a fart noise at the end of it. But, like, the mom's singing, she, they're just super into it, and the kids are singing, and they all sound like shit. And I just, you know, movies these days, I feel like, are afraid to let characters do things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that rewatching Elf, there's that moment at the end where they're singing in What's-Her-Name, the mom. Oh, Mary Steenburgen. Yeah, starts yeah. singing, and she's totally off-key. And I think yeah, I like that part, too. It's the, like, real characters who are real people. Which is a note, because I'm pretty sure that Mary Steenburgen probably, has a in her experience voice. of acting, has, has learned how to sing, yeah. probably. It almost looks... I mean, to sing bad sometimes is hard for, I think, yeah. It's a very much a choice, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, I really liked that scene. I'm going to open this can on camera. I was going to make tea time for Tyler. Oh, good. And after that, I'll share you my. Uh, I, I'll share another anecdote relevant to this movie. Oh, I hear that for. Well, it's tea. How about tea time with uh, Angela? You mean because this soda? is iced tea? No, it's iced tea. Oh, iced tea in a can. Let's God, do... you're a classy fucker, aren't you? <laughs> it's a, it's a, this is the this is a very fancy drink called an Arnold Palmer Light. <laughs> With no alcohol. No. Don't be confused. Arnold Palmer's are just iced tea and lemonade. Yeah. Over, it feels Arnold. like an Arnold Palmer should be an alcoholic beverage. How dare you, Sully, is good name. With your alcohol talk. It just sounds like it should have alcohol. Um, well, I should play a game of uh, Tea Time with uh, Angela. I don't have anything. You got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing either. I was like, oh, let's see. Where should I ask Tyler? Uh, what is your favorite golfer? That has nothing to do with this movie. Arnold Palmer was a golfer. I don't know. Oh, my God. Don't get beverage all over our carpet. What are you doing? Oh, i got to get every last drop. Okay. Are you ready for Tea Time with Tyler? This is the part of the episode where I refill my tea, and I have two tea bags here just waiting to be uh, steeped in my hot water here. It's all sounded sexual to me. The tea bag and steeping. Mm-hmm. Anyway, focus up. Okay. Okay. Name as many characters in a Christmas story by name that you can, and go. Shorts, Flick, the old man, my mother, Ralph. My mother? He just calls him my mom or my okay, mother. I don't okay. think she's got another name. Uh, Randy, uh, Santa, <laughs> uh, uh, um, the Bumpus, the Bumpus dogs, um, Miss uh, Miss Fields is the uh, Miss Fields. Okay, uh, yeah. Uh, Miss Schwartz's mom. <laughs> the Miss tree. Schwartz's mom. Or Mister. Yeah, Mrs. Schwartz. Uh, uh, Who's the best non-family side character? Uh, Grover Dill is the toady. 
Uh, uh, Scott Farkas is the is the is the bully, and then his little toady is Grover Dill. Okay, thank you. I'm, I'm not gonna let. I'm not gonna Scott end this without Farkas and Grover Dill. Good yeah. job. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was. Didn't I pretty much get all of them? <laughs> you pretty much got all. Tree of them. salesman, I think, is just tree salesman. Um, but what's my answer to my question? What was your question? Oh, what's your favorite side character from that's not a family member? Um. Oh no! My, actually, my favorite. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think it's a name. It's okay. the little kid in line at the Santa line who goes. I like the Wizard of Oz. Fun, I like the Tin Man. Fun fact: that yeah. was not an actor. That was just a kid at the mall. Love it. And so they're just like, "Hey, you want to say this line in this movie?" And they were yep. like, "Sure." Love it. There you go. Um. Yep. That was probably my favorite kid. Okay. You said you wanted because he goes to... also Ralphie at the end. He goes, uh, "Don't bother." Or no, 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 no. When the uh, uh, the characters from Wizard of Oz walk up to them. And they're mm-hmm. like trying to be like, oh, what's your little name, little boy? And he's like, don't bother me. I'm a, I'm a thinking, which I just think is a great comment to an adult. <laughs> he's all basically like, fuck off, lady. <laughs> and then the witch is just like shrugs and walks away. It was so confusing to me watching this as a kid mm-hmm. as to why the Wizard of Oz characters were running around the mall at Christmas time. I, I first, it's a holiday staple. I know, but I think I saw this movie before. Maybe I saw Wizard of Oz. Oh, maybe. And yeah. I was like, why is there Halloween? shit going on at Christmas time. It's so confusing. It's Because you witch. see the witch, right? I'm yeah. like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? Well, they're talking about that. Yeah, okay, I got you. It was super confusing. Um, Alright, so the other thing I'll share is uh, the other uh, relevant thing of this. In elementary school, I think after the first time I saw A Christmas Story, and uh, I watched the uh, scene where Flick uh, gets triple dog dared into sticking his tongue to a pole. Mm-hmm. Uh, I decided to stick my tongue to a pole. No, you did school. not. I absolutely did. Uh, it is was that not a the real same memory, circus- or is that like an artificial memory? It's an absolutely real memory because I—I'll tell you pole? how I know. Tell me more. I want all the details. It was either so it must have been third or fourth grade, and it was at my elementary school, and it was not a situation where I got dared. I think I just like saw this movie for the first time and was around uh, a f- couple of friends. I believe our our past guest, Sean, might have been around for this, and maybe he can... I don't know if he remembers this or not, but I remember just being like, yeah, there's this movie, and this kid sticks his tongue to a pole, and uh, it sticks, and it's like a real thing. And because I remember my dad saying like that's absolutely true. I don't know why he's like that. Your your tongue will stick to a pole. Blah like, blah don't blah. Don't fucking do that, right, child? Yeah. So I was just like, you know, I was kind of like a, I was kind of a little dipshit when yeah, I was a kid. Yeah, you were a little shithead. For yeah. Sure. So I was just like, oh man, you can, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. It's gonna be funny. I was just trying to be funny or something like that. And I knew. I see when I did it, I knew it was gonna stick. I knew it. I knew it was gonna be like you got to do it and you got to get it off real fast, and then you like prove that you could do it, right? Uh. So uh, I did this, no, and mm-mm. I stuck it on, and I pulled it off, and my fucking god, it ripped the skin off my tongue. I was able to get it off, obviously. Oh, I had such a goddamn burn on my tongue for uh, the feeling of a burn was on my it tongue. Bleeding? For, no, it was just super red. I got, it, I just did it really fast. It was cold. Um, You're so stupid. Yeah, I was super stupid, and it. I mean, it hurt. It hurt for a while because I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to stick, so I got it off. And it's so funny because now you're so risk adverse. Now you oh, won't yeah. do. Now you won't sign for a package. That's probably why. <laughs> That's probably why I wanted to be a race car driver back then too. I don't even Jesus. like being in a car. <laughs> oh my god! I don't like I wear. A, I want to wear a helmet in a in a regular passenger car. I mean, yeah. if you would have told little Tyler there mm-hmm. for, sticking his tongue on frozen poles, what 2020 would look like? Man, his little mind would have been blown. 
Oh yeah. I don't really know what that how that connects in relation to what. I wouldn't stick my tongue on any pole in the summer be because like, of COVID. You'd be like, hey, kid, in 2020, you know how adventurous you are? Oh, You're yeah. never going to leave your house. <laughs> yeah, pretty <laughs> much. you like, what? Never leave the house. I go to the He's mailbox like, every time again. I'll literally lick a pole. Yeah. Right now, I'll lick a pole. Now pull. I'll barely go to the mailbox. <laughs> oh, my God. Maybe one day I'll leave the house again. We'll see. Um... No, so I did that. It's fun because, like, the way that they actually filmed that is, like, I believe I like, it's either on the DVD commentary or something. They talked about, like, using, like, a little hole. It was really warm. It wasn't metal. And they used, like, a little vacuum that kind of made it, like, suck and made it look like it was stuck on the, the pole like that. So good little use of film. Yeah, that was very effective. Um, but, yeah, no, I did it. <laughs> You're so stupid. I can confirm that that, I mean, I didn't get stuck, but mm-hmm. I, I can see how it could get stuck unless you want to rip that sucker off. Mm-hmm. So... Okay, my next thing I want to ask you about yeah. is um, what was your experience before and after seeing this movie as a child with Mall Santas? Oh, I don't, um, never cared for Mall Santas very much. Does any child? I don't know. Our kids certainly do not like them. They They've, want zero to do with them. We, we've we've flirted with the idea every now and again. And, we you know, we've talked about how Mall Santas are, for the most part, helpers every now and again you might get lucky with a periodic real santa appearance but for the most part they're helpers right Mm -hmm. and you know our kids are adverse to strangers in general Mm -hmm. i don't think they love the idea of santa coming into their house in any way i mean they like that they bring presents but i think if they if you didn't bring presents they would probably be adverse to it they're like yeah no thanks yeah so and they don't and we've come close with a couple kids like i think i want to go and they'll just like get a little close and just like no i don't think so and you know, so no, I've never, never cared for it. Um, it's such a strange cultural tradition. I remember doing it. I remember I have certainly have pictures of sitting, sitting on uh, Santa's lap at the mall. But um, no, I don't. Uh, it's a weird tradition. I don't care for it, and our kids clearly have adopted our old our own awkwardness about it like immediately yeah. <laughs> they pick up on the fact that we're totally uncomfortable. I, with I mean, it. And, and, and they knew. Well, before even this, that, like, oh, dad would never let us go sit on some stranger's lap, like, the, the, ill, like, that, they, like, our kids have made a, our, our kids make a comment, like, think of all the kids that have sat on that lap. Like, I'm like, ew. exactly. <laughs> Weird, you don't even know this guy, I don't even sit on my friends' laps. Exactly. So, well, right, you know, it's this weird thing of, like, we, t- we really are very clear with our kids of, like, if anybody even comes close to even, like, touching your arm, you tell mom and dad, right? <laughs> and then here's this other thing where it's like, yeah, no, go sit on that guy's lap. Yeah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> what? No. So, no, I, yeah, it's never been a thing. I, I love, and that, I, sh- that's why, I, even when our kids left the room, I was like, no, come back and watch this scene. Cause it, I just, I find this ho, to be, ho, the payoff of it is ho. great, where he says you shoot your eye off. It's the best use of it. And then he, the fact that he uses this dirty ass boot that you get the shot of pushing his, his forehead, forehead his forehead down the slide i always i always really want when i saw this as a young kid I was like how come we don't have any like awesome things like this when we yeah, go i want see? a slide where you land in this big fluff this is just fluff. a throne now i read that um they it was in cleveland that they filmed a lot of this and it was in a store and they built it for the movie and then the store kept it for years and years because because obviously awesome. it's awesome yeah. right but it's not a thing that was in a lot of these places i don't no. think no, and I was like, no, no wonder you got a giant line. Jesus Christ, you've made a fucking theme park in the middle of your mall. Yeah. How is this good for business? Yeah. Although uh, everybody's just fine with like leaving their kids in line. Although not every, you see a lot of parents in line. It's just that the these parents are just like, yeah, just stand in line. Like, stand in line. We got some shopping to do. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like very close to Christmas. Yeah. No, it is like I, I know the next scene is Christmas Eve, getting the tree ready. So mm-hmm. it feels like it's very close. You know. So I don't know if they went on Christmas Eve or it's the day before, mm-hmm. but. 
I don't know. I, you know, there's, there's so many great, I feel like this is a weird movie in that it is, it is a lot of, it's anecdotal, right? It's an hour and a half, but it clicks through story, 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 story. It's little mini stories, right? And some of them build and some of them are kind of just its own thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I like that about this. It's it what it makes it perfect, and why it's so successful on twenty four hours like this marathon is that you can pick up on it at any point, mm-hmm. w- watch it, and watch it all the way through, or watch that scene and have a little mini story mm-hmm. and move on. And then if you turn the TV on later in the day, oh, there it is again. Yep. And to the point where I mean, so now we don't have cable. But we have the DVD, and I've made it a tradition of just being like, okay, we're going to turn on a Christmas story in the background. We'll flip it around a little bit. We'll start in the middle and just let it play. And that's like part of the tradition, right? Because it works that way. And not a lot of movies can do that. But Yeah, this you does. could literally play this movie in any order other than the last scene. I mean, kind of. A little bit, right? Yeah. Totally. I mean, obviously, the beating up of the, there's a progression with like the 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 bully but that's only and the like, oval teen. When you but, really think about that, that's only a few scenes, like a couple scenes. I mean, so, so there is order, but there's other like, and the lamp thing takes place over a couple scenes. But I mean, you could parse it out, and mm-hmm. and it's easy to follow and understand even in the moment. And that's just the Gene Shepard, you know, very detailed. You can get kind of lost and engaged in the language, which. Even when you know the movie really well, you kind of pick up on new little nuanced words that kind of get thrown in. I like, um, mm-hmm. but see, this time, I mean, you know, because we take notes, um, I made a couple comments on here that I, because I, I mean, there's no point in like going through all this stuff, but, um, <laughs> I just, uh, I wanted to touch base on a couple things that I found, uh, I tickled, tickled me this time. Uh, oh, like the, the kid, my favorite character. Um, that says like I like the Wizard of Oz, I like the Tin Man. What I wrote this time mm-hmm. was like I'm pretty sure this was the inspiration for Ralph Wiggum on The Simpsons. Hundred percent. Yep. That Love like it. that's who that is. Totally. Um, um, I like how the dad has really bad takes. If you pay attention about yep. most things, yep. Like he wants to. He's talking about football and he's talking about the Chicago Bears coming to town or something like that. And he's like. Chicago Bear, like Chicago Chickmunks, maybe, but never the Bears. I think, I think, I think he's it, trying to be derogatory, yeah. but it's such a weird comment. And it's just always like he's mumbling off into yeah. space. I read a heading of an article or something that was basically like, the dad in Christmas story doesn't know shit about sports. <laughs> he doesn't know shit about anything. <laughs> uh, uh, he doesn't know the Lone Ranger's horses, the horse, but the see, mom does or whatever. See, that's another kind of evidence of this tale is told from an adult's perspective mm-hmm. because i think when you're a kid you think your parent knows fucking everything and they're the you know they're a genius and they are so smart about everything but then from a, like an adult's perspective you're like oh that my dad was just as stupid as i am like, oh yeah and i zeroed in on it's like i must have been zeroing in on the um the sports stuff he's like they they traded bullfrog the the socks traded bullfrog and they like it was like sh- four eyes shot and shot for bullfrog these could be real i mean for back in the day they a lot of kids guys had nicknames but he was focused on that he also was talking about some clodhopper down in griffith indiana who swallowed a yo-yo he thought that that was that sh- on a that, bet that's real news he on likes that's the kind of news that he likes he doesn't like to see that politics slop. yeah i thought that was i that was funny mm-hmm. um the, the the fake teeth that one point when they go into the classroom Everybody, they say good morning, Miss Fields, or it's Miss Fields, right? Or Miss Shields. I can't remember. Um, they all say good morning, you know, and they have these disgusting teeth in their mouth, right? These yep. fake teeth. So what this teacher does is like, she holds her hand out and <laughs> all fucking 20 of these kids walk up and like stick these disgusting saliva ridden 
things right into her hand and dumps mm-hmm. it into her or her drawer full of toys. And I was just like, God damn. Ms. Shields. So how do gross. we not have how how have we not had like a hundred of these COVID situations? We're so just gross. a disgusting culture. But I remember that scene only for being like, That drawer is amazing. Oh great and stuff, like, right? All teachers must have a drawer like that. And speaking of Simpsons, they I feel like Miss Crab Crabapple. Crabapple. Who's been retired has... now because I think the, the actress passed away and they just retired Aww. the character. Yeah. Also has a drawer like that where she's constantly getting like the sh- the naughty toys and putting it in the drawer. Yeah, well, pr- yeah, pretty much. Yep. Um, yeah, Simpsons must have watched this uh, movie. Um, oh, these are just random comments. The the sex shop lamp, which is what it is. So let's be clear. It's a, it's a lamp that only is used in like a sex shop. It's like this is the sex shop. Here's a here's a leg. Or maybe it's for the prostitute's house and be like, I'm available. Anyway, I'm open for business. The gag here is that it comes in that giant box and it's so big for that tiny little thing mm-hmm. and it's like a bunch of shit and it's all wood and I have to bring it in. And I was like, oh man, the forties. But I'm just like, you know what? No, this still happens today because I get boxes from Amazon where there's like one little ass thing in there and it's this giant ass box. Mm-hmm. So they still haven't figured that out. They have not. Sometimes and then sometimes you'll get like a thing that's like like definitely they should have put it in a bigger box. Yes. And then it's not. It's in a little box or in a bag, which is like what, who chooses who's getting a box and who's getting a bag is what I want to know. Oh my god. Because some things come in a box and some things come in a bag, but like sometimes they they it's different. It comes in different waves. You don't know what you're gonna get. It's very strange. It's very strange. So but I wrote, none of it says fragile on it. No, it does not. So I wrote that down. Um, uh, one thing I love about the leg getting there is Ralphie sliding his hand up oh yeah, the thigh, statue. just like, oh, like his hand goes higher and higher and higher and his face just looks lustful. And then his mom being like, Ralphie, and then yeah. he brings his hand down. Yeah. He's really into that leg. Um, and then also about the leg, I like That's where... a deleted scene actually on the DVD. There's a scene of a Ralphie in his bed just. Um, I love when the dad, the old, old man goes out to the street to look at it. And his neighbor comes over. I feel like the neighbor is played by the director. Dadgum, you say you want it? And and first, <laughs> first, what I think is funny before he says that is is the neighbor comes over and is like, what is that? And the old man's like, don't bother me. Can you see I'm busy? <laughs> yeah, I love that. He just like, like, shoes him away. I'm just like thinking like That's if I was I outside say to my neighbors. <laughs> checking something, yeah, my neighbor comes over. I would love to be like, don't bother me. Can you see I'm busy? Just that's like, what I would say. Fuck off, neighbor. <laughs> I, I do feel like that sometimes. Like, Especially now. I'm like, fucking, that's not... Because uh, I'm more of like a... I'm more of like a 12 feet when it comes to social distancing. In I general. Feel, in general. Even I'm before just, this. I, six feet is like my baseline when there's no You're pandemic. Like, that's my normal like, bubble. My normal bubble is you don't get fucking six feet. when. So when there's a pandemic, I'm like, I want you in a mask and I want you 12 feet away. So if they even... I'm just like, just take the... Fuck over there. Leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. Aren't you so glad and aren't you so thankful that you personally with your anxiety of all this don't live in like an apartment? Oh, God. A cram-packed apartment building? It'd be horrible. It'd be horrible. What would you do? Probably die. (laughs) (laughs) What? From what? Either COVID or just blowing my brains out. Oh, my God. (laughs) All right, well, if you are struggling with suicide, please reach out for suicide help. Uh, we'll put the hotline. I don't want to live in an apartment, again, in normal times. <laughs> like, I just You're don't like it. You're such an elitist. I don't like being near people. <laughs> That's why I could never live in a big city. I like big cities in general, but you're right. I don't. No, I don't. I don't like it. Yeah. You know what Mary and I were talking about the other night, though? Mm-hmm. About um, being thankful for what we have. Yeah, and how, absolutely. How we're very lucky. We have everything we need. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everything we want. And she goes, well, not everything we want. And I was like, what? What do you not have? And she was like, a pool. 
we had a pool, a very she's small like, pool. She said that she's like, well, we kind of had a pool, and I was like, yeah. So then we were talking about that, and she's like, but like apartments, they get pools, and I was like, god damn it, they do. That's they do fair. get a pool. Yeah, they a, pool. Get a pool. That's like the one thing you get. It's like the consolation. It's yeah. like, well, it sucks, but you got a pool. I mean, you share it with 500 people, but you got a pool. There's a treadmill over there if you want to work your ass off, too. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. I don't know what made me think about that. Speaking of pools, I think it's important, you know, especially... I, I, I you know, the, I, that's why I, that's what, you know, when I, when I think about the situation that we're in, I do think about, like, all the people... When I try to, when I get really down on like Jesus, we fucking we're terrible at managing this pandemic or whatever. And trust me, we are terrible at it. Don't Obviously. get me wrong. Yeah. But I would say that like my life has been fairly okay and normal, but it's because of all these other people doing their job and doing all the yeah. things that they do. Like even as like simple as like delivering things to me and all this other stuff. Yeah. When I think about that, I'm very appreciative and thankful. And having jobs that we can do from home. Right. And a lot of people don't have that. And so that makes me uh, not feel so depressed because I know that there are just all these people who are doing all these things for not just me, but many other people. So Yeah, for like fucking minimum wage. And we're not even talking about like the people who are doing the the really hard shit of like dealing with people who are sick and stuff like that. So anyway. Well, that got really deep. No, I think it's important. We're talking. It's Christmas time. We got to talk about it this is kind of stuff. Christmas time. We On a about. whole other uh, uh, <laughs> topic, my, my my favorite match cut in film history is in the Christmas Story. Oh, yeah. Now, my favorite. You know, a lot of people say that. What's the greatest match cut? Uh, Tyler, is it, for, is it the bone? For, hold on, for lay person like myself. Yeah. Explain what a match. So cut a match is. cut is like something that's on a screen, and then you know, on the in the image, and then the image will cut, and it'll cut to something that a is a new scene, a new scene or a new thing, mm-hmm. but that is like either similar in some way to that previous shot, but not the same thing. Mm-hmm. The classic example that people often cite is like one of the great match cuts is like in two thousand one, uh, they throw the bone, the, the the people throw the bone into the air, it's spinning. And then it match cuts, or it might not even be a match cut. It might be like a fade. <laughs> I can't remember what off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, but then it's a, the spaceship, but it's the same shape. And so that's like what it is. But to me, my favorite one is uh, Ralphie is finally got his decoder ring, uh, Little Orphan Annie decoder ring. Uh, and so he goes into the bathroom mm-hmm. to use the decoder because he needs privacy because it's a secret message. It's a secret message. And I can actually, I could totally see if this was a thing that... We told our son, Elliot, who's, like, finally learned how to, like, understand some reading and all that stuff, right? This would be up his goddamn alley. Oh, he'd be all over this. There's a secret message? Fuck, yeah. Kids, I think all boys and young kids are into, like, secret spy shit. Yeah, yeah. So I could totally see the excitement, right? Mm -hmm. And so then, of course, you know, what he decodes is that it's... And this is a cool... The decoder ring is actually rather cool. I kind of really always wanted one of these things. Yeah, it is really cool. I I can see why you would wait, like, weeks and weeks for this to show up, right? I I would still be excited, even though the message is, like, the secret message is, be sure to drink your Ovaltine, Mm -hmm. right? And he goes, a crummy commercial? Son of a bitch, right? Which is mm-hmm. a great line that always gets cut off on the TBS mm-hmm. version, which pisses me off. It is off, funny. You're saying, son of a bitch. You're it, like, ooh. It's better, right? Yeah. And because they also cut out the one where uh, at the end when the dad is like, sons of bitches, bumpuses, right? They always yeah. go sons of a, and then it mutes it out. Yeah. Which I hate, too. Yeah. TV ruins it, uh, even though I'll watch it on TV. But, um... Anyway, he's getting the doors getting pounded on because Randy's got to go to the bathroom, <laughs> and the mom is yelling, like, he, "Your brother's got to go. Can you get out of the bathroom?" So then he leaves, and Randy pulls up the toilet pot, and right when he pulls up the toilet seat, 
you cut to the red cabbage boiling over the, the stove. The mom taking the, the pot the, off the, the can, lid yeah. off the pot of the red cabbage. It's a simple thing, but I love it every time. Yeah. Because it's like, that's supposed to look like poop. That's supposed <laughs> to be a pot of poop Um. Yeah. Let's talk about the Chinese restaurant. Oh, yeah. We do have to talk about this. Here's what I want to talk about. Okay. Okay. And I read this, and obviously it was on the internet, so it has to be true. Okay. The the fra ra 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 singing mm-hmm. was unplanned. Okay. And the singers and the person who was, like, making them sing didn't know that that's how it was going to come off. That that's how they were going to sound. So all of that was not, like, totally scripted. Mm-hmm. And he just said, he just went with it and was like, no, 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 it's not. F-. And and so her reaction, the mom's reaction where she's about, she's giggling and she's trying to contain herself was, like, first cut, real. Where'd you read this? On the internet. Okay. So obviously uh, I buy that. it's real. Here's what I would say. I don't think that it is, is it racially insensitive? Yes. Yeah. A little bit, mm-hmm. but I don't think it is the there's intent for harm in that it, it's not meant to be making fun of me. And that I think it's key is that the owner is just like no 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 no, like they're trying to really give this family a really nice experience. Yes. They're they've you know they're open, they're providing food, a feast, like yeah, and they're done a really good job, right? Yeah. So like I think that that owner is the key to like not making it seem so icky racially because yes. he's just like no 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 no, it's not how it goes. It goes like this la 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 la. And then they do it again. and They still can't say it. And that's I you know I think that that is it cuts that a little bit. But now is it insensitive? It yeah, is a but, little yeah. But the mom's reaction, it's not like I'm giggling at them like I'm making fun of them. I think you can just kind of what I well it's funny they if if you were hearing yes. someone try to get it and they couldn't get it. I mean our kids can't say so many words. Yes. And, and they know Eng- they know English well. Yeah, they know, no, <laughs> and good. they still can't say it. And so it's funny yeah. when, you know. But so the circumstance is, you know, funny. The circumstance is funny and she has had this long horrorless long day that has ended with a shitty her meal going down the toilet. They're at this Chinese restaurant trying to like provide for their family. Yeah. Just like the overall like exhaustion and tension she must feel and then just to be in this situation, I feel like her face if you just watch it, she's just like, Oh my like, oh my fucking god, like th- this is fucking happening. Okay. And the duck head's just kinda funny. I mean the fact yes. that they bring this duck out, right? Um so I don't remember now. I so when they did they they made a Christmas story musical and then they did it as one of these live network shows at one point a few years ago, right? And I watched some of it, and honestly, I, I wasn't a big fan of. I don't the like musical. Li- yeah, not- I wasn't a big fan of the musical, so I didn't love it, and I, that's probably why I, I didn't finish it. But they brought in Ken Jeong to play that part, but he also played like multiple parts in the sh- in the show, like he played like the tree salesman and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so I don't remember exactly what they changed, or if they changed anything, or if it was just like Ken Jeong kind of being there, of like saying like, "Okay, this is a little racially insensitive. We're going to guide it through in an appropriate way. We're playing, you know." So I, I remember appreciating that they he was in other stuff because I like Ken Jong in general, um, but I, I see I can't remember exactly the the way that they addressed it. Um, yeah, okay. So what you asked me was because mm-hmm. I think I said I don't know. My dad thought those. That, that was my, my question. <laughs> so you are you? I mean, you come from a, a, a Japanese American family. Yeah. Your your dad is of Japanese descent, not like wasn't wasn't born in Japan, but he's a he's like third generation, third generation. And so I'm curious what your family, who you have full of 
full of Japanese Americans. Yeah. What they think of this movie and what they think of that particular scene. Yeah. So I mean, you're trusting the memory of me, who has right. terrible memories, but I have memories of them fucking laughing about it. Is but, it because they're not Japanese? And then what I said <laughs> was like, well, they're not fucking Chinese. <laughs> oh, okay. And you know, every culture I think is racist to other cultures, and Asian cultures are not immune from that. Sure. Um, but you know, I also think that. When, you know, 1983, my dad was a grown man already. I think that, you know, there's Asian kids who then were teased at school with that fra ra 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 Yeah, I think that that is a problem and that's been a and thing that's And I think that happened. that happened in maybe like the, the generation before us a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think it was probably... I mean, I went to school with some... Some some dickweeds. Yeah, and I and I had eight, I had some Asian friends, and yeah, I feel like that might have been like, a thing. Oh, fun, so yeah, blah, in blah, that blah. regard, it is a problematic scene. But I yeah, but the scene's not intending to be. But the fact that it gives it. people that sort of it's kind of that. Um, yeah, no, it's not about that. So I'm not even going to dive into that. That's a whole other debate. Oh, okay. That's a Simpsons thing. Never oh, mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not go down down that road. Um, so it's funny, but yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway. So, I mean, that's one thing that is not... But it, you know, yeah, anyway. Um, I, the other thing that I, the kids were interested in this movie, I did bring them back for the bunny suit. Oh, yeah. Um, which I thought, like, okay, bring the the oldest two kids. The other two kids don't give them the whatever. You never know. Kids. You never know what they're going to say about anything, right? And they, what they like is totally random. He'll watch, uh, you know. Well, you turned on, for example, you randomly, we found, you know how your TV has all these uh, random new channel things, right? <laughs> and they're, Tubi or something like that. No, it wasn't even Tubi. Tubi is like a known one. It was like not Tubi. It was oh, something else. Oh, yeah. It was, I don't remember the word. But it was like yeah. they have Christmas movies on here, including like a new whatever it is. And it was called, called like White Elephant. And it looks like it was filmed on an iPhone, but not mm-hmm. in, not in mm-hmm. a way that's like stylistic. So we watched the first... 10, 12 minutes. But we couldn't see. The thing is, we couldn't actually find any information. This is actually frightening. We couldn't find any actual information on the movie online. Yeah. Like, none. (laughs) Like, a title and, like, some people that were in it, but, like, no rating. Yeah. No, there's no way to determine if it's appropriate for kids. I don't know if it was going to turn into a porno at some point. Oh, yeah. Or, like, a slasher film where they all get murdered. Right. You have no idea. Gruesomely, yeah. And all of them are just in enthralled by the first 10 minutes of this yeah. not not interesting no, it was movie about adults getting together to have a party. A, a dinner party. A white elephant party. A present for white elephants. So you never know what they're going to uh, enjoy, right? <laughs> yes. So I, we brought them in to watch this, and our son, who's our seven-year-old son, was just like, oh, that's a horrible costume. And I could see him kind of relating to like that. And then our nine-year-old was just like, oh, it looks pretty cute. I'd wear that. Yeah. And that was it. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah, that was the, the experience of them watching A Christmas Story this year. I don't know. <laughs> That's all I got on that. Uh... Yeah. You know, Ralphie being sent a pink bunny suit. Mm-hmm. I think all all of us can relate to maybe not the extreme of a pink bunny suit, but being sent things that we don't want to wear for relatives that then you have to save and wear yeah. when they're there. Very rel- relatable story. It is. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to talk about, but we we we've touched on the the major elements. I feel like yeah, Christmas you know? story still rocks, it, even though it's a little bit problematic in some places. It um it ends correctly in that there's snow falling, mm-hmm. Christmas song mm-hmm. playing, Christmas lights. The parents are looking out the window and looking at the snow. Ooh, that's the way you want to end your movie. My yeah, him crunching his glasses in the snow. Right. 
Oh my god, I feel like I didn't have glasses until I was like a senior in high school, but that just felt like the scariest thing ever. Less that he hurt his eye and more like, oh my god, you just broke your glasses. This is a really sad, I mean, that whole scene is really satisfying too, in that it is, like, he does get what he wants and he has a victory for about five minutes. This kid loses this whole fucking movie. He gets one victory and he immediately gets ruined. (laughs) (laughs) Which is pretty great. I mean, and that's pretty much what being a kid is like sometimes. Especially from the eyes of an adult. You're just like, oh, god damn, I spent all this time, it was miserable, I got it, it was wonderful, and then I, oh, by the way, I did shoot myself in the face and ruin my glasses. Yeah, it's a weird movie in the way that it's like, in the good, like, Goal in the good old days back then, this happened, but like everything he described is actually really shitty. But it's put through this perspective of like, you know, the good old days and nostalgia, and it's actually yeah. charming. And I can see why kids were not engaged in it very much. So, you know, there was a randomly a sequel to this, not with the same cast. Uh, it was like a, my summer story, it was called something different. It's called It Runs in the Family. Charles Grodin is in it. Uh, it was filmed, you know, it was made late years later. Same Gene Shepard like stories of summertime. It did not catch on. I think it kind of came out before A Christmas Story really started to catch on mm-hmm. uh, on video. Yeah. So it kind of came and went. It's difficult to find. I've never seen it. Oh. Um, I did watch uh, recently, you know, a few years ago when they made the straight-to-video A Christmas Story 2. No. That brought in Daniel Stern as the old man. I did not see this, did I? I don't know if you watched it. They will air it on television occasionally. Is and it it's terrible? Daniel Stern as the old man. I can't remember who plays the mom. Ralphie is a teenager, and his goal is to get money to buy a car. And uh, it's not very good. Of course not. And I don't. There was just during this period where there's. I mean, there's a there's a Christmas vacation too with cousin Eddie going. Mm-hmm. To, I mean, I don't know. We just for some reason that was a thing for a while. We tried sequels, so that's no good. And then of course there was the musical. Um, for a long time when you went to the store, the people you, they were trying to sell those lamps. I don't know. I think people still like to buy them for the Do they really? It's still in the stores? Yeah. I haven't been to a store in 10 months. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you can still buy them <laughs> in the posters of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, that's the legacy of uh, Chris. I just wanted to mention that there are sequels and random weird things that have happened uh, since then. Yes. But still on TBS. That's right. All right, friends. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Old Millennials Remember Movies. A Christmas story. If you want to give us a Christmas present, please share this with your a friend or someone you think who would enjoy this. Ooh, or if you are in the giving mood, you could also give us money. Not necessary. <laughs> Although, but if they were if you were like really rich, if say it was uh Bezos's ex wife, she's giving away billions of dollars, right? Good for her. That's yeah. amazing, she's right? She's like, you know who needs money? Those two podcasters. Yeah, maybe it's her favorite podcast. Yeah. Hey, that Bezos guy, you are totally right. Uh, wife, name I can't remember. Yes. <laughs> Feel free. Although, if Bezos is listening to it, that wasn't a, I don't want to get sued. So, uh, we're yeah. subscribed. We have Amazon Prime. Yeah. I, I, Stop I don't it. know what to do. I don't want to, okay. I, uh, I don't want to get sued by the, ultra powerful Amazon people. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to donate money to us, uh, feel free to reach out. You know, give it to people that need it. That's, That's fine. Exactly. Give it to, if you have money to give, go give it to someone who's really struggling right now. There you go. We're not struggling. So all fine. right. Thanks for listening guys. And Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. War on Christmas. Happy holidays. Bye.